Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here at the podium with the Minister of Health and Social Care, and our Director of Public Health joins us on Zoom. I will hand over to the Minister for today's update, but before I do, I would like to say a few words about the terrible news from the weekend. In the space of just over 24 hours, two more members of our community died from COVID-19. This is an awful tragedy for the whole island, but especially, of course, for their loved ones. My thoughts and prayers are with them at this difficult time. We must never forget the lives that have been lost during this pandemic. Let me pass across to the Minister for Health and Social Care for his update today. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. And can I start by adding to the Chief Minister's words about the dreadful loss that our community has suffered yet again this weekend from this dreadful virus. We have lost two more of our community and we must remember that everything that we do at the moment in relation to the lockdown is to try and prevent as much as possible this occurring um, again. But our thoughts are with the friends and families who have lost two people who are very close and dear to them. I will turn to the figures for today. The total tests undertaken and the total tests concluded stand at 45,943. So there's no results to be processed in the lab. The new cases identified over the last 24 hours is eight, bringing our total cases over the overall outbreak to 1,558. We now currently have 469 active cases. There are 10 in hospital, one of those in ICU. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. It is good news that for four days now, we have seen no unexplained cases the last, one, the last being the one we reported at our Thursday briefing. Good news, yes, but we have to keep going and maintain our vigilance. We may now be starting to see the end of this lockdown coming over the horizon. And yes, we can allow ourselves to feel some cautious optimism. The measures we have put in place and the way you, the Great Manx public, have responded is having the impact we need. But we do need to strengthen our resolve to get through the next period. As I said last week, none of us want another lockdown. Now that we can start to imagine the end of this one, and with the vaccination programme continuing to deliver at place, we must not fall at the final hurdle. As I'm sure Dr Hewitt will remind us, just because we have seen four days with no unexplained cases, it does not yet mean we can be sure that COVID is not circulating in our community unseen. Let me hand over to our Director of Public Health for her regular update. Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. So, yes, as the Chief Minister has said, the um, curves are coming down very nicely now. Um, albeit that the tail to the right-hand side of the graph has been longer and slower than we would have liked. Um, that seems to be a factor that goes with the Kent variant. It's exactly what Guernsey saw in their recent outbreak, so to an extent we're expecting it. Um, as the Chief Minister said, four days with no unexplained community cases is very good news, but it doesn't mean that we can start to relax and think that 
we have now put out those little fires out in the community. Um, we can't relax on that yet because obviously we haven't yet got through one incubation period without community um, cases, sporadic community cases, which is 14 days. Um, as we've said before, the gold standard for declaring local elimination is set at twice the incubation period, so that would be 28 days. And very often, um, jurisdictions, areas work on a midpoint of around 21 days for looking at significant relaxation of restrictions. Um, another indicator that's useful to, to bear in mind as we look at this is the positivity rate. That's the percentage of all the tests done on a particular day that come back positive. Um, I think we talked about the positivity rate earlier on in the current circuit breaker when at the height of the number of cases per day, we were looking at a positivity rate of about 14%. That's been coming down nicely. Over the weekend, it got down to around 1% on the latest figures reflecting those eight cases in high-risk contacts. It's gone up a little bit to 3%. However, WHO guidance um, recommends that once you get down to 5% or lower, you can begin to start about start to think about relaxing restrictions, taking into account other factors, of course, like the, the actual number of cases. So that, again, is a, a hopeful indicator for us in that we now do seem to be consistently down below the 5%. So to summarise, everything going in the right direction, but we can't yet be assured that we're, we're back or even approaching local elimination. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr Ewart. So each day is important in better understanding where we are on this journey. The Council of Ministers met this morning to consider the latest data and advice. We agreed that as things stand, we are still on track to be able to start to make some changes to measures from around the 6th of April, one week from tomorrow. We need to see how the next few days unfold and hope to make decisions this Thursday, and I will update you all at our briefing on Thursday afternoon. I do need to make two important points on all of this. First, if the situation does deteriorate, then our plans may have to change. We all want this to be a one-way journey out of lockdown. So this means we need to get it absolutely right and we must not rush. Secondly, based on what we know today, we need to be ready for a gradual easing out of lockdown. We want to ensure that the steps we are taking are as safe as possible for our community. Yes, we are clear that we only want measures in place for as long as we judge them to be absolutely necessary. But equally, we know how tough lockdowns are on our society, our mental health and our businesses and our economy. We all need to move forwards, but treading carefully as we do so. I remain confident that if we keep up the high levels of vigilance, hygiene and social distancing, then we can continue our cautious move towards better times. I would like to give you an update on schools. It is important that the education of our young people is not impacted any more than necessary. This is so important for so many reasons. But it is of course critical that any return to school is carefully considered and safe for all. The same of course applies to the preschool sector which is also important for so many families. The Council of Ministers this morning heard from the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture on this. He and his team are working with schools, preschool providers and public health to finalise a plan for a safe return and I have asked him to join us on Thursday to give us an update.
Just before we go to questions, I would again like to thank the teams involved in the vaccination programme for all that they are doing. We passed another important milestone today when the vaccination team visited Springfield Grange Nursing Home to administer 36 vaccines there. This means that all care home residents have now received both doses of their vaccination, a really important achievement in the protection of the most vulnerable members of our community. We are progressing well through the age groups. Two thirds of those in their 60s have now had at least one dose. The letters to our over 50s have been going out over the last week. I know some people in that age group have already been receiving their doses. By now, all those 55 to 59 year olds should have received a letter. And the final batch of letters for those aged 50 to 54 is due to be sent today. When you get your letter, please use the online form or call 111 to make your appointment. Please don't delay. Let's take some questions. And first we have today is Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon, Rob. Fast am I. Fast am I, Chief Minister. Uh, before my first question, just ask for a bit of clarity from Minister Ashford. Could you just remind us what the number of active cases of COVID is currently? So the current number of active cases... Um, that I have, I believe the I believe the active cases. I had four hundred and sixty nine, but I believe it's three hundred and ninety one. I've literally Thanks. just been informed, so that's breaking yeah. news. I had down on my figures four six nine, but I believe it's three nine one. Which is really good news when you consider it wasn't that long ago that we were well over eight hundred. So it's it's going in the right direction and, and fairly quickly now. Yeah, but thank you. That was the figure I was seeing on the dashboard, so I just wanted to double-check with you. So, um, first of all, I'd like to ask, do we have an idea of when the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine might be coming to the island? David, do you want to take that? Yeah, so the UK is due to receive its deliveries in April. Um, we will receive ours. It's normally about a three, four-day um, lead-in from when the UK receive it to when the first shipments start coming to us. So we'll be expecting our shipments um, in mid-April as well. The one thing that hasn't been confirmed yet is the actual numbers, though. Um, so although the UK has announced that they are getting the Moderna um, vaccine, the firm delivery numbers haven't actually been put out there yet. They've got an expectation around what they might receive, but they haven't actually published firm delivery schedules yet. Thank you. The second question is just with regards to closures at the moment because of the lockdown. Quite a few people are still talking about the island's amenity sites being fully closed. Why haven't we considered the idea of doing what we've done in previous lockdowns, for example, partially reopening them with safety measures in place? Yeah, that's a good um, point, Rob. It's, I have to say that the amenity sites are not under the control of, of government. They're under the control of the local authorities. Now, we are working with the local authorities to see uh, that we can get them open as soon as possible. Obviously, they're concerned about the safety of, of their staff working there. We're all keen to see them open because we've seen some horrendous pictures of fly tipping on the island, which really is um, really disappointing that a very, very small number of people have let the island down and, and damaged our beautiful countryside. Um, so, yeah, we're keen to get them open. And I'm sure as we now... Um, go along this journey, hopefully, of um, no unexplained cases that we can start to open more of the outdoor activities and certainly the local authorities, we are working with them to, to get this open as soon as possible, as safely as possible. So just as an add-on to that, if you don't mind, so do you consider that amenity sites might be one of the first things to start reopening once you can lift restrictions on whatever date that is? I would hope so, but I have to say, um, Rob, it's outside of my control because... 
the, the Alaman government do not run the sites, it's the local authorities that run them. So we will be working with the local authorities to enable them to open as soon as possible. But it's, it was a decision they made to close. We didn't ask them to close. That was their decision. And, but we are certainly encouraging them to open as soon as possible. Thank you. Thanks very much, Rob. Next, we have John Moss from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, John. Fast am I. Good afternoon, uh, Ministers. My first question is for the Health Minister and uh, Dr Ewart as well. On the man in line today, we had quite a few people right at the beginning talking about suffering distressing side effects from vaccination. I felt like death was one person's comment. And the person who actually uh, spoke to us, who was 64, said it rather put her off having the second vaccination. Do we know why some people suffer after the vaccination a lot more than other people? Well, the Director of Public Health will be a lot more qualified to speak on this than I am, John, but my, from my layman's understanding, um, we're all unique as individuals and our immune systems respond in different ways. Some of us have an immediate immune response to the vaccination, others don't, and people suffer different levels. Um, I've spoken to people as well, some people who've had headaches, sore arms, um, and some who've you know been fine immediately afterwards, but then 24 hours later have felt laid up. But in fact, you know, but in some ways it's showing that the vaccine is working. Um, there is side effects, but they will pass. And it is important that people do get the vaccination because receiving, getting up with COVID is an awful lot worse in many cases for people um, in terms of the effects than having a day or two of the side effects of the vaccine. But I'll bring the Director of Public Health in. Thank you, Minister. I mean, just to expand a little on what you've said there, there seems to be no correlation between any factors that might pertain to individuals or groups and whether or not they will get side effects. So it doesn't correlate with age. It doesn't correlate with underlying conditions. It really does seem to be an individual thing. Um, but the Minister is absolutely right that regardless of the side effects, um, the impact of those is likely to be a whole lot less than the risk of, um, you know, what might happen if you were to catch COVID, not only in terms of risk of serious illness and hospitalisation, which, as we know, does correlate very strongly with age and underlying conditions, but also the risk of developing what's called long COVID, um, which we do not fully understand the correlates for yet. Um, so on balance, even with a risk of side effects, the majority of which will be very minor and transient, um, the vaccine is a better option than foregoing the vaccine. Thank you. Dr. Ewart, would you suggest taking a, let's mention the name paracetamol, before going for a vaccination as well as after? Um, there is no consensus on that. I've heard immunology colleagues, and immunologists are really the best qualified professional group to, to speak about that. Some will say that it's worth taking a prophylactic dose of paracetamol beforehand. Others don't. So I think, you know, the jury is out on that. There is no trial data to support that. Um, but some people recommend it may be helpful. Others don't. Can I just turn my attention to the Chief Minister now? Obviously, rule changes came in, Chief Minister, today in England, including formally organised uh, outdoor sport, uh, minimising travel holidays. Uh, the stay-at-home rule has ended. Does Comin pay attention to what's happening to the UK when making its own mind? I know you spoke about the date 6th of April, but will that bear on you when you actually make your decision? 
Well, obviously, John, we look at the infection rates in the United Kingdom. They're, they're in a good place at this moment in time. We'll be waiting to see how their infection rates respond as a result of opening up all their schools um, because we've seen from our own to our own cost what happens when you still have COVID in the community and you, and you open up the schools. So um, that will be interesting. Of course, we take um, a, a big note of what happens in the United Kingdom. Um, we wish them well. Um, they they seem to be in a good place at this moment in time, though they are warning about a third wave and increased numbers. So, yeah, we obviously try and come up with solutions, Manx solutions for Manx problems, but, of course, looking at your biggest neighbour, where an awful lot of your loved ones live, we, we do that. We do take that into consideration. Can I just comment back to your first question, John? As someone who's um, had COVID and has suffered from long COVID, I can, you know, I would say to every anyone, no matter how much you hear about the odd person having a really bad experience from getting COVID, uh, the the vaccination, um, it's only a few days of being really bad compared with um, a week fortnight or or possibly ending up in hospitals so if um if it's a choice of having a really sore arm feeling miserable for a very short period of time or getting covid trust me um you want to get the vaccination you don't want to catch covid or or have the full-blown effects of covid on your on your body ministers and dr Ewer, thank you thanks very much john now we move on to simon richardson from business 365 good afternoon simon fast am i good afternoon chief minister uh, firstly, my question is for Dr. Ewart, if I may, please. Um, it's obviously good news that, we're, that the figures uh, are encouraging. What is the current thinking on policy post-lockdown? Are we looking at continuing with the eradication strategy, or are we nearer a move towards living with the virus, as it seems we'll inevitably have to do at some time? Well... Firstly, policy is a matter for the Council of Ministers, not, not for myself. And obviously, in setting policy, um, the Council of Ministers has to take into account all interests, not just clinical, but social, economic, etc. So it's quite a complicated decision-making process. Um, there certainly is going to have to come a time when we learn to live with COVID. Um, I remember discussions in public health networks this time last year when we were actually saying what is going to be the mitigation that's going to allow us to reach that point. The idea that one could naturally reach herd immunity was very quickly dismissed by the vast majority of public health and clinical opinion. So then the, the next mitigation was vaccination. And this time last year, I have to say we were thinking it was going to be two years before we got to that point. So the fact that we are actually at that point now is really quite extraordinary. Um, and I think what I'm, I'm trying to cut to the chase to say there, actually, is it will be the rollout of our vaccination programme that will give the Council of Ministers the most important piece of information and data on which to look at how we move to a mitigation living with COVID strategy. And the thing that we will have to bear in mind there that could you know, impact on that is the emergence of variants of concern that can be shown to evade the vaccine. Um, so the issues there are how do we uh, protect ourselves against being overwhelmed by variants of concern coming across the border and or how will the vaccines be tweaked to make them um, strong against those variants 
and what will a booster program to keep updating population immunity with those tweaked vaccines look like? Um, so those are the challenges that we're all going to face from a policy perspective going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my second question is for the Chief Minister. Um, following on from your earlier reference to fly tipping, has there been a discernible increase in levels of petty crime during the lockdown? There seems to be a feeling that there more offences have been reported recently. Right, I haven't had any feedback from the Home Affairs Minister that we've seen a significant increase in, in petty crime, Simon. If I have, I'll um, let you know um, f at, at the next briefing, but it's, it's not um, been reported that there's been an increase. The um, photographs that we've seen of, of tipping in, in the west of the island especially, um, it, it's really disappointing that people would tip in a beauty spot and... You know, I, I sincerely hope that our police force are able to catch those that have done this and, and, and make an example of them because it's something that you should never do. And yes, we're going through a national emergency at the moment with, um, with the COVID-19, but fly tipping on your own island in, in the nature reserves, etc., where wildlife are impacted by it. It's, it's not just um, the loss of scenery, but the impact on wildlife too is, is a really low blow and... Um, I, I hope that we um, we can open up quickly, but that people just won't do it. I, I've seen pictures elsewhere of freezers being dumped, etc. It's totally unnecessary, and uh, I know it upsets an awful lot of people on the island. We're, we're very passionate about the island and the beauty of it, and keeping it neat and tidy is, is very important to all residents of the island. Thank you. Thanks very much, Simon. Next, we have Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Mr. My Chief Minister, um, both my questions are probably more for the Health Minister. Just first of all, we've, uh, we'll reach the 50-year-olds plus going out for their letters for vaccination. Just in terms of that, what comes next? Are we going to stick in the age blocks or are we going to perhaps differentiate and now allow things like police officers and teachers to be prioritised? And is, are we still on target to hit May for this rollout? So plenty of questions in there, Sam. If I take the last one first, yes, we are still on target to hit May. Um, the JCVI um, firming up of the way to go for the second phase, I believe, is coming out later this week. But we believe that the it will certainly, they've given the hints that it will be by age groups, so it won't be by key workers. Um, if we follow it with age groups, actually, it wouldn't make a difference anyway because the, we move quite fast now. Once we're out of the under 50s, um, most people will have their letters within the space of the four weeks that follows so actually trying to split people out into key worker groups define what is a key worker for instance people working in tesco's are key workers because they're keeping our food supply going it could actually complicate the process and actually drag out the vaccination program rather than speeding it up so the simplest way would be to do it by age group and in fact we would suspect that we will be sending probably um, based on the jcvi guidance the over 45 letters out later this week yeah and just secondly as um we had the story on friday night of this booking system which is going to be eventually brought out when do we have a target for when this will be online so in terms of the booking system, that's an expression of interest that's gone out. It's a pin notice. Um, so it's not an actual tender for a booking system. It's to see what, um, what, what is out there and who's willing to assist. So there is no time limit on it currently. It's also not just looking at things, for instance, for COVID. It's always good to have something like that in place for other things as well. So it's wider than just the COVID vaccination programme, but it's a pin notice that has gone out, which is for expressions of interest um, to see what people can 
provide. It's not a formal tender. But part of that did include the potential for a COVID passport. So there must be some target date. And when you see that coming in, given that we're likely to need them to be able to travel later in the year. Well, again, we, we mustn't get ahead of ourselves. There is no plans at the moment for a COVID passport. What we are doing is future proofing ourselves that if it does become an international standard, we've got something there where we've got someone who can design a system around that. So people shouldn't read into that, that the means there's going to be COVID passports, vaccination passports. That's not the case at the time but we, as always it's best to put the contingency in in case countries do start going down that route thank you thanks very much sam and now we move on to paul moulton from isle of man television good afternoon paul faster my thank you i thought i'd just start by saying that i being 61 had my uh, vaccination on friday and i was taken through the whole thing and it was very clearly made clear to me that there was going to be side effects potential anyway and they were given to me very clearly and i think that's what I want to pass on the good news that if you know you're going to get these things or potentially, then you're ready for it. So it's quite surprising that people are, are kind of thinking that they suddenly get ill. But I, I'm sure you made that quite clear to everyone, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've said I've had one myself and um, I felt a little bit miserable at, at the weekend after it, but it went and um, back back to normal. So I, I think the um, the discomfort of, of having the jab is minuscule compared with the what will happen to you if you catch COVID and you haven't been vaccinated. Right. Um, the Madeira vaccine, will that fill the hole that you're expecting when we have these this short supply issue coming up and with that are you getting signed off in advance because obviously we remember originally there was all this paperwork that had to be done before you could administer it so are those in hand david do you want to say yeah. that so in relation to dota first it won't fill the gap um because the gap is basically started it's the next few weeks where there's actually the reduced number of astrazeneca um the moderna will come online around about mid-april it still has to have the formal marketing authorization process put in place for approval for use. We will still need an indemnity sat around that. Um, the indemnity will probably be a lot quicker this time because, of course, we've got the two examples of AstraZeneca um, and also Pfizer. And we will need the clinical sign off to say that it is fine to um, deliver. So people shouldn't be thinking that's going to suddenly speed everything up anyway. We are, we are actually moving very quickly with our vaccination program now. And as I laid out to Sam there in the answer, once we get to to the under 50s then basically we speed up even more so it's not going to disrupt it on the current time scales with or without them it will still be the middle of may it's also worth pointing out to you paul that you can't as you know you can't mix the, the vaccine so you can't say right we can use the moderna as a second dose because we're short on pfizer it has to be you know two doses of the moderna so that's another reason why it's not going to help as, as much as maybe you'd hope and to make it clear, this sign-off is between the Isle of Man and the United Kingdom, isn't it? Is that what's going to happen? So in terms of the indemnity, it's the UK government um, giving the indemnity to the Isle of Man. So expanding the Crown indemnity to cover the Crown dependency. So that applies to Jersey and Guernsey as well. And then, into, then what we will do is we always put through our clinical advisory group um, what we have received in relation to that for their sign-off, that they're happy with that because it is a medical procedure at the end of the day. And from that point then, we are able to administer the vaccine, assuming it's got a marketing authorisation. Okay. 
Well, second question, it's coming from someone who works on board vessels as an ancillary worker. They're very concerned that obviously all the members of the steam packet have had the vaccinations, but these people who are saying they're mixing with both the Isle of Man staff, the United Kingdom staff, haven't been offered the vaccination and feel this could be potentially still a problematic area in case there is a, another outbreak. Your thoughts? Right. Well, I think our director of public health would better comment on that. I'm not. I wasn't aware that um, members of staff on board the ships hadn't been vaccinated. If you're saying that has that, that's the case, Paul. Then I'm sure we can look into it. Doctor Hewitt, can you advise? Yes, this is news to me. Um, I'm not aware of a, a group called ancillary workers who are excluded from the access to the vaccination and indeed the surveillance testing program. I haven't got any more details. It could be a cleaners. I suppose it could be anyone, I suppose, who has access to the boat who has to do something on it, I'm guessing, that's all. Right, well, maybe if you want to pass the details on to us, Paul, we can have a look. So, so are you saying this is Isle of Man-based cleaners going on board the ship when it's docked to, to clean it and therefore maybe not coming into contact with crew? Or are they actually working on board the ship whilst it's sailing? Uh, no, it's definitely when they're in in the Isle of Man port. But I'm not saying they're cleaners. I'm just saying they 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 describe themselves as ancillary workers. So I'm I'm thinking what that might mean. That's all. Okay. Well, we can certainly look into it. Um, but if they're not actually on the boat when it sails, that might be the criteria. But yeah, we can <coughs> we can take that on board. Thanks very much, Paul. Now we move on to last but not least, Paul Hardman from Isle of Man newspapers. Good afternoon, Paul. Faster my. Faster my chief minister. My first question, either for the Health Minister or Dr. Hewitt. Has the age demographic of the active chasers changed at all as the vaccination program begins to have an impact? We know that at the beginning of this outbreak, it was driven by cases in the younger population. Are we starting to see this trend again now that more and more of the older groups have been vaccinated? And also, if possible, could you comment on the general age range of those being admitted to hospital? Well, before I bring the Director of Public Health in, um, the age range of those admitted to hospital are people generally in the older age groups, um, but it is it is, um, it is is a bit more spread because it also depends upon the conditions people suffer from. So we've got to remember underlying health conditions play a part in this as well, Paul. Um, in terms of the spread across the current outbreak, I think it's early days to be seeing whether or not the vaccination programme is having an impact. The outbreak started in the younger age group and then naturally Actually, as, as it spread around their families and the people their families had had contact with. So certainly from my point of view, what we've seen through this outbreak is exactly what was seen in the UK where they had the outbreak in schools. It started with the younger age groups and then it worked its way up, um, which is why we went swiftly into a lockdown to try and stop it reaching that much older cohort who are a lot more vulnerable to the virus. But I'll bring the Director of Public Health in. Uh, thank you, Minister. Yes, I mean, everybody, of course, can go on to the covid19.gov.im website and look at the latest statistics and see the population, the age distribution set out there. And it's still very much um, preponderantly in the much younger age groups and then moving on into the, the middle-aged adults. Rates in older adults have remained very low. Um, there could be a number of reasons for this, so it's too early to just assume that it's down to the vaccination, although that may well be playing a part, and it may be a key part, we don't know. Um, other reasons that might come into play there are that it was 
an outbreak that was driven initially by children and young people, uh, then moved into their immediate families, nuclear families, and the mixing that has gone on has been in those younger age groups, either with families and households or through adults of working age going out and mixing in the workplace. It may be that the older adults were mixing less and were therefore protected from infection that way instead of or as well as through vaccination. So, yes, we, we can't draw any firm conclusions yet on that. Thank you. Thank you. And my second question is probably more for the health minister. Um, how many key workers were unable to attend their essential jobs because of the lack of a hub school, having needed to be absent to take care of their children? Do we have a figure for that? We don't have a figure for that, Paul, because um, a key worker, essential workers, it includes the private sector as well. Um, so it would be a very hard figure unless we manually went around every business on the island and every government department and interrogated all of their HR records to pull that figure together. I would personally say it would be an impossible figure ever to calculate. And within the DHSC, is that possible? Or? So within the DHSC, I believe that the figure is roughly around about 50 to 60 staff um, had issues in relation to childcare. The actual bigger issue we had was in terms of isolation, is people isolating. Um, because obviously at the start of the outbreak, because of the way it's spread around the community, we had a large proportion of people in our community isolating. And that's the feedback I've had from a lot of businesses as well, that although there's been childcare issues, the bigger impact on their staffing has actually been around people having to isolate. Thank you. Yeah, the, the problem we, we were faced with, Paul, was that if we'd opened up our hub schools too early, we would have made the situation even worse, where we would have had an awful lot of our key workers, um, families having to go into lockdown if it had spread amongst the young people. So whilst we knew how serious it was to get them open, we had to hold off till we knew it was safe to do so, because otherwise we could have made the situation worse and as uh, the health minister has said quite rightly the number of people coming out of isolation has, been, has given us more relief than if we'd have had the the hubs open but obviously we've got the health the, the education sport and culture minister with us on thursday and he'll be able to give you an update on on the opening up again of all our schools but thank you very much thank you all very much for your questions all being well we'll be, we will be back on thursday with another update until then, please stay at home as much as you possibly can. The number of cases are coming down, and most importantly, so are the unexplained cases. You have done this by staying at home, by only going out when it's really necessary, and by wearing a face covering as much as possible. And you have done this by calling 111 if you have anything that might be symptoms. This is no less important as we go forwards. It could take only one person going into work where they should have stayed at home to get us back to square one. Please continue to make the right decisions for you, your family and our island. Thank you all very much. Bye bye.